Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of having Jessica Kabeen with us. Now, Jessica has been the principal of the Woodson Kindergarten Center since 2012. Prior to this position, she was an assistant principal, supervisor of special education, all in Austin, Minnesota, and the special ed teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota. Besides being a principal at Woodson, she is the facilitator for the Minnesota Principal Academy out of the University of Minnesota in units surrounding literacy, ethical leadership, and RTI. She also is a principal facilitator for the Minnesota Department of Education and Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association Pre-K-3 Leadership Series. In 2016, she was named Digital Leader of Early Learning by NAESP slash VINCI. In 2017, she was named the Minnesota National Distinguished Principal. She is the co-moderator of hashtag ECE chat on Twitter and writes on her blog, principalinbalance.wordpress.com. So welcome, Jessica Cabine. How are you? My gosh, I'm wonderful. The sun is shining up here in Minnesota, so it's a good day up here. Oh, great. It's raining here, but it's still a good day. <laughs> and we're so happy to have you on our podcast. As you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today, Jessica, by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am honored and would love to, yes. Awesome. So Jessica, can you tell us a bit about your leadership journey and what you're doing now? Oh, of course. People like to say when they hear my story, it's very unconventional. My undergraduate was in music therapy. So I didn't leave college with an education degree and ended up spending a year or two working with adults and adolescent in treatment centers mm -hmm. and then decided my passion really was in the school setting. So I went back and took my master's degree in special education and spent some time there and then jumped into leadership on the special ed side. I was an assistant director of special ed for a few years and really missed that connection with kids at that level of leadership. So went back and got my principal license and then spent three incredible years as an assistant principal in a middle school oh, and wow. learned a lot and loved <laughs> most every second of it. There were a few that I, I would have rather not done, but most of it I did. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got the calling to come down to the kindergarten center. So I have been a principal of an all-day, everyday kindergarten center for the last five years. So quite a dramatic shift from spending the bulk of my career in secondary and then jumping down to the early years. Right. But the early years are so incredibly important. That's exciting. It's been incredible. I think when I took the position, people were surprised. They're like, well, don't you want to stay in secondary? And I think five, six years ago, there was more prestigious 
titles at the secondary level. And now that I've been ingrained in this early work, this is really the important work. The high school principals really want quality leaders and educators at this early level Mm -hmm. so we can prepare the kids for not only high school graduation, but post-secondary options as well. Absolutely. So Jessica, how would you describe your leadership style? I would say I don't fit in one specific box. I've asked that question of a few people most recently. And when I work with other principals, it's more transformational. I really try to find skills in other leaders and help cultivate and grow that so they can become better leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I work with families and students, it's a lot more relationship. I love leading where I live. I live in Austin, Minnesota, which is also the home of SPAM. But uh, I thought it was in Hawaii. Really? Oh, no, no, no. Austin, Minnesota. Anytime anyone comes to visit me, I take them to the SPAM Museum. It's the home (laughs) of SPAM. It's the corporate home of Hormel. And we have an incredible museum up here. But because we're the home of Hormel, we have corporate people that come in and work here. But then we also have people at the plant that work here. So we have a variety of community stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And so being able to play drums at my church to coach my son's soccer team, it's so neat for people in the community to see that I'm a person before I'm a principal. And I think that's really helped Mm -hmm. leverage leadership and, and make bigger changes and build trust in the community because they see me not just in my office, but they see me out in the community, out in the hallways and and outside at dismissal and arrival time for kids. And you live in your community as well. I do. I do. I absolutely love it. It's, I have a, um, a son in sixth grade and a son in fourth grade. And it is kind of neat also to, to watch how their education is evolving with mm-hmm. all the different technologies and, and the different components that we have in our community. And it really makes me think about, okay, how can I enhance the experience of kindergartners so they're more well-prepared as they move up through the grades in Austin? That's beautiful. So Jessica, can you tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? My mantra this year has really been if serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. Mm -hmm. And I have enhanced my personal and professional learning network through Voxer and Twitter and really have aligned myself with other leaders that are leading outside of the office, being in classrooms, teaching, um, working with families, working with educators. And I just feel like that is redefining the role of a principal leader in today's age and in stages of development. So that has been something that's really powerful for me. So can you say that quote again? I loved it. If serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. And I've used that in so many different ways ways in my personal and professional life. It's just been kind of instilled in me. (laughs) Well, you know, even when you say it, it just moves other people. And hopefully it'll move our listeners as well. Because as soon as you said it, I was like convicted, you know, I need to walk this as a leader. So not only is it inspirational to you, but you speaking it really calls other people higher. So thank you so much for that. Would you like a little story about that? I would love it. Okay, so we are a kindergarten center, so I have 361 students right now that come to our school every day, either on bus or car, Mm -hmm. and we usually have paraprofessionals that are outside every morning, you know, greeting the students and parents upon arrival. Well, in the last few years, we were lacking some supervision, so on a whim, I just went out and started to help kids out of cars and greet parents, and that was two years ago, and I go out every single day now, Mm. every morning. Rain, sleet, or snow. And this last year, I've added a karaoke machine to my little entourage. (laughs) So we Bluetooth in Taylor Swift, James Brown, Tina Turner. I get requests from parents. I'm out 
you know, doing Arrival. And our mission with that is every kid should feel like a rock star when they come into school. And it's been <laughs> so neat because parents will dance with their kids coming in. We have little dance parties to get the kids excited before they go to breakfast. But it's been such a neat layer to my leadership. And most people are like, well, that's a half hour that you could spend, you know, answering emails, being in meetings, being on phone calls. But really, if our priority is our students and families, then I'm absolutely where I need to be. Whether it's 20 below or 80 degrees above, it's an opportunity to serve our community stakeholders. That's beautiful. And I can see the kids so excited about coming to school. Having that anticipation, I wonder what song she's going to sing. Oh, yeah. And some of our paraprofessionals arrive about the time I'm out there. And I sometimes will get on a microphone or megaphone and shout out their name and welcome them. And they just think it's a hoot. They're like, how many other employers get outside in a dance party to welcome you to work every day, I guess. That's where your music background and your music therapy comes into play. That's a beautiful thing. Now, Jessica, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I am inspired by risk takers. Mm. I love to learn from others who are trying things that are very unconventional or innovative. And not always do they work or successful, but Mm -hmm. they continue to try. And I really appreciate that type of leader and really gravitate to learning from them. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's so important as adults to continue learning ourselves. And learning isn't always about success, but it's learning through the failures. So that's been really inspirational for me to learn from some leaders, not only here in our region, but to connect with other leaders that are authors and national speakers when I attend conferences and spend time listening to podcasts and other things that they might be in. I love that because fear can certainly get in the way of taking risks. The fear of making the wrong choices pulls away from that creativity. So I love that risk taking. It's been really powerful for myself. And I try to model that now in our school. As you know, technology is becoming more and more a part of our school Mm -hmm. and schooling. And our students really gravitate to learning through that mode. And so one of the things that we started last spring was a coding club for our kindergartners. And I'm actually the one who teaches it. And our teachers, some of them are the different generations. Some Mm -hmm. of them are my age, some are significantly younger, and some are a few older than me. But it's been really helpful for myself to be the risk taker because I grew up with a typewriter. You know, I didn't have email till after <laughs> college. Corona, yes. Yeah. And now I'm trying to teach 15 five-year-olds how to program robots and get them to move around the classroom. And the teachers, when I first started it, they were like, what is she doing now? And mm. what is this going to mean for me? And I just kind of opened it up to say, you know, if you want to come in and observe, I'd love some feedback on how I'm teaching and how I'm releasing the instruction. And they've come in and they're like, well, this isn't so scary. Or they've come in and they've said, gosh, you know, she's not even a teacher. I'm watching how she does it and I could do it so much better. And so by putting myself out there forward saying, I have no idea how to do this. I don't even know if this thing is charged or how to sync it, (laughs) but I'm going to try my best because this is what kids want right now. And here's how we can help them learn. And it's really transformed our practices to really try to take risks and know that it's not going to be perfect the first time, but it's also a great way to model to our students that it's okay to try and try again. Jessica, that really activates my heart. I picture you taking those risks. And what's most important is that the kids see you not just talk about taking risks, but they watch you take it. And so that's beautiful. So Jessica, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, my goodness. I 
would say I learned it from actually my neighbor and it was just pause and reflect about the goodness around you. Hmm. I think sometimes we spend so much time staying busy, wondering or worrying about what others think of us or if we're doing the right thing or not and having doubt in our work. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to just pause and take a deep breath and just look around you and be grateful for what you have Mm -hmm. and what you've helped to inspire and dream Mm -hmm. and then keep moving forward. But I think sometimes we get caught up in everything else that we don't take that time for ourselves. You know, that speaks to me because I tend to go from one thing to the next, right? So I accomplish one thing and I'm like, okay, good, check. And I go off to the next and I forget to stop and celebrate. It's so important. And I've tried to be more intentional about that in my personal and professional lives. Mm -hmm. As we're doing the interview, I said I came in to do it. And right to the left of my computer is my school picture of both my boys and a little card that says, I'll be present with you both this year. So Mm -hmm. it's just something to remind me if I look at the clock and it's, 4.45, 4.45, 5 o'clock, it's time for me to go home. The email will always be there when I get right, back. Right, right. <laughs> but they won't always be home and wanting to see their mom as they get older. So I think it's just really trying to reflect on what's important to you and making sure you're spending and monitoring time for that. You know, I love that you said that because especially now, principals, assistant principals are so bombarded with so many things and they have this I guess, need to stay on top of everything, to cross every T, dot every I. But I love that you said that because it's bringing it back to what's the most important thing. Absolutely. And my support network of my husband and my two boys is really what keeps me going. And if Mm -hmm. I don't go home with 110% for them, it's really not fair to them. So it's important to really balance that out. And absolutely, this work is hard. You deal with daily situations that could break your heart and working with staff and students can at times be, you know, very emotional. And so Mm -hmm. trying to find ways in which you can put that aside and refocus on your family and and the positive joy in that really helps in the long run. Because ultimately, I love my job as a principal, but my priority is to be a wife and a parent and a person. And Mm -hmm. so trying to make sure that those quadrants are all balanced out is a challenge and there's different seasons to it, but it's important to maintain those priorities. And you know, Jessica, as a parent, I really appreciate that because you're walking the talk. So, you know, as a principal, what does it mean to have a good team and how would you build or sustain one? Well, I hate to say it because I'm worried that people will come try to poach these incredible teachers and paraprofessionals in our building. (laughs) But leading is about listening, learning, and then leading together. So Mm -hmm. I came here, not everybody knew who I was or what I was about. They just knew I was working at the middle school and what would I know about kindergarten. So Mm -hmm. it took a while to build trust with the stakeholders here and spending time in classrooms and talking to teachers and paraprofessionals about the values of our school and what they wanted me to make sure that I knew as I came into this position and as I sustained it, what are the values of our kindergarten center? What do we want to make sure that we hold true? And then just we continue to build a foundation for the first few years about recognizing and celebrating each other as professionals. Mm -hmm. And then we started the deeper work of recognizing and responding to student behavior. And then finally, in the last year or so, we've established the heavy PLC work. Uh, Mm -hmm. We worked with Ken Williams in making sure that we're really using the professional learning communities to fidelity. Mm -hmm. But we wouldn't have been able to start that year one because you need to build trust. And I need to be able to walk into a classroom and they know that my intent isn't negative, but it's always about Mm -hmm. learning and growing with you. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, five years into this now and 
it's just been incredible because I can also take that feedback as well as a professional and what can I do better and then hopefully instill that in the other learners in the building, children and adults. So building trust is big. Oh, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. huge. And I think as adults too, and especially in education, there are so many opportunities for us amongst each other and out in the community to hear that negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And so really helping to almost that four to one, four positives to the one piece of feedback. We need to do that as adults too, because we also need our cups filled. We model it for our students, but are we filling our personal and professional cups with each other to keep going through the rough days and the hard work so we can have those celebrations down the road? Okay, great. Now, speaking of rough days, tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life. Oh my gosh. Well, I would say, you know, changing career paths and going from a secondary to an elementary was pretty much my most difficult leadership change. I walked into a building thinking I knew it all. You know, I knew grading for learning. I knew PBIS. I knew standards-based grading. I knew all these really important academic pieces. Mm -hmm. And I walked into a kindergarten center and I watched kids play with Tinker Toys for 20 minutes and about had a heart attack. I'm like, why are we (laughs) playing with blocks? Why are we drawing? We don't have time for this. We should be in rigor with learning. Oh, rigor. Oh, I I know. I hate that word. So I'm I'm a recovering assistant middle school principal, (laughs) I say, when when I present at conferences and things, because I really struggled that first year trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And principals are really licensed K-12, but I think the focus is more on those upper grades. And a lot of principals weren't kindergarten teachers. Mm -hmm. And so we are walking into a situation where we're trying to figure out the best developmentally appropriate practices for our youngest learners, but we're not equipped with that knowledge ourselves. So it was two to three years of really learning the research and spending time at the state and national level finding out this information. And the state of Minnesota has done a phenomenal job of offering professional development for elementary principals specific to pre-K-3. Mm-hmm. And I've been honored to be a part of that work now because my passion for this work now has become a mission to help other educators and leaders understand it. Because once you start to learn the importance of doing it right, makes all the difference. And that R word doesn't come up much anymore, Lily. Now we're looking more at intentionality of (laughs) learning. So if you're doing play-based learning, what's the intention of it? Are you working on, you know, your math essential outcomes while incorporating play with it? Are you doing some patterning? Are you doing some sorting? Are you um, working on your social emotional development? Are you helping kids learn how to turn take, how to problem solve? Are you enhancing literacy skills? Are you creating some comprehension knowledge of a story through dramatic play? Mm -hmm. And so we're doing all those incredible things. It's just now we're doing it with a heightened level of intentionality that we all know about. So when I walk into a classroom or play centers, I know exactly what they're trying to get to, what learning targets, but the kids are still having fun while they're doing it. And so are the teachers. Right. You're a part of this movement. So how can our listeners get more information about this? Oh, of course. Well, feel free to follow me on Twitter and I'll get you that information. Mm -hmm. But two things that we do, one in the state of Minnesota, we've done a what's called a P3 leadership series. And so we also have a website that enhances some of that knowledge. So we brought in professional speakers from across the United States that know developmentally the grounding work for early learning. Mm -hmm. And then as teams of principals and educators and superintendents, 
we went back and worked then in our districts, how do we continue to make this work in our district, in our context? And so we use the NAESP professional learning communities guideline as well to kind of guide that work. Mm-hmm. Then at a national level, I have the absolute honor of co-moderating a Twitter chat on Tuesday nights with Heidi Beal and Nancy Alvarez. They're assistant principals down in Texas at a pre-K center. That mm-hmm. sounds like the happiest place in the universe. But <laughs> Um, we get to, on Tuesday nights, we have deep conversations about what does early learning look like and how do we learn from each other to make it better. And so that's been such a great professional development tool for myself because I'm learning what other pre-K systems are doing and I don't have to do a site visit to get there. You know, and I can connect with them and we take pictures and we then use the hashtag ECE chat Mm -hmm. throughout the week to build our base of knowledge and enhance that professional learning community in the early years, because that just is an area on on social media that we want to see grow because we all have such great resources and we can learn from each other. And using social media is a great tool to bridge that and to connect each other. Perfect. So Jessica, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? You know, it's going to blend both areas, but I would say my youngest son, Isaiah, his first year of kindergarten was mine. The difference was as we had just adopted him from Ethiopia six months prior to him to starting kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And so his learning curve of not only learning what it's like to live in the United States, but what it's like to learn Mm -hmm. was huge. And as a parent watching him struggle and persevere and come into kindergarten, well below what we would call quote unquote kindergarten ready. Mm-hmm. And now he is in fourth grade. He's exited EL services. He is not only on grade level, but exceeding in math oh, has driven me to really just be so proud of him and the work that he's done in the community of African women that continue to help me learn how to be a better parent mm-hmm. and a bicultural parent right. has been just immense. And just how he learns and how he understands things has helped me grow as a principal and as a leader to really make sure that we are honoring the diverse perspectives that all our children bring into the school. Mm -hmm. And he just makes me a better person. And my oldest son was the one who really got me into coding. So I think my kids really continue to push me professionally uh, on a personal level. Oh, that's great. You know, we have so many connections. I had an early intervention agency. So that was my heart. I'm a special ed teacher, and I also, we adopted a son. He's Jamaican Trinidadian, and he's 14 now. A whole lot of other learning that I'm developing. So I'm so excited that you're on and speaking about these things. Now, getting back to leadership, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? Connect with others, Mm -hmm. reach out outside of your school district. There's great chats on Voxer Mm -hmm. or Twitter where you can connect with others, either on the major social platforms or direct messaging Mm -hmm. and find out from others how they handle those things. Seek mentorship. If you have mentorship within your district, that's also a wonderful way to just have a safe person because you're not on this journey alone. You're not in isolation. There are people that have gone through situations or scenarios that you're going through and that can listen with some empathy and offer you advice and help you through those difficult parts of the journey. I wish I could say it's easy, but it isn't. But you always learn from it. You may not know what you learned right away afterwards, but a year or two later, you're building that foundation to just become a better leader from it. Great. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. 
-hmm. What does that mean to you, Jessica? And what are you learning now? Well, I'm learning how to coach soccer or being someone who's never, but I'm, so (laughs) I can, so I can coach my son's team and I'm learning a lot more about how to continue to grow our professional learning communities here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just about modeling lifelong learning for our students and our staff too. How we did something five, 10, 15 years ago isn't completely relevant to how we should do it now. It's important to have that background of where we came from, but it's also important to start moving forward and continuing to get better in everything we do. Right. And we may not know what the future holds, being open to also learning um, how to shift, right? If there were something you can change in education in the U.S., what would that be? I would say sky's big. Yep, sky's big. Okay, I really want to see us value teachers the way teachers were valued when I went in school. Hmm. I feel like the profession of education has changed significantly in the last 30 years. When I was growing up, a teacher was like a coveted role in our community. Like you would get excited when you saw your teacher out in the community. Other stakeholders, community, legislators, everybody valued teachers in education. And I want to see that back. I want to see teachers not having to work two to three jobs to continue to be able to support their families at home. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to have that balance of leading at school, but then also having a life outside of it as well. Mm, Beautifully said. Thank you so much for that. Now, Jessica, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? Oh, my goodness. How many do you want me to tell you about? (laughs) Whatever you want to tell me. (laughs) Well, I'll go for a couple. So my professional knowledge is really coming from Starting a Movement by Ken Williams and Thomas Herrick. I've read a ton of books about professional learning communities, but that one was the one that I figured out. I'm like, okay, now I can do this work. Hmm. So he was super helpful and instrumental in really helping us get that set up in our center where we have 16 kindergarten teachers. Mm. And so creating essential outcomes that are aligned and common form and assessments that we're all doing with fidelity is a unique situation to have here. But that book really helped us drive that forward. Awesome. When it comes to culture and trust building, Kids Deserve It has been excellent. And that's Adam Welcome and Todd Nassoloni. And Mm -hmm. we've had teachers read it. We've done book studies around it. And they're just such helpful tips to really reground the why of what we're doing this for, and it's for our kids. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, for leadership, I am almost through Lead Like a Pirate, and it just came out recently from the Burgess Consulting Company, and that has been incredible. Beth and Shelly, I just want to sit down and have coffee with them for about six hours and ask (laughs) them how in the world they got all this done. It's inspiring as a leader of a building, you know, this will be my sixth year, Mm -hmm. but I'm reading that and getting such information, I'm like, oh, it just kind of gives you an extra spark of, I never thought about trying that. I'm going to try that component. So sometimes it's neat to get those extra little nuggets of learning and being able to apply them in your leadership. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that, because I'm sure our listeners really appreciate your insight on those books. Now, Jessica, you have a lot of responsibility. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? I um, do what I like to call the miracle morning. And so I get up at 4.45 every morning and Mm. I get my coffee and I journal Mm -hmm. and do a little devotional. And then I usually try to read a chapter of a professional book. And then I do some type of physical activity, whether it's two days a week, I go and swim at our YMCA. I'll go for a walk or go for a run. 
Mm-hmm. And it just kind of helps ground me for the work of the day. One of the pieces too, is I really try not to check email or anything until I get to work. So my morning is just about, you know, looking at my schedule and reframing all activities for the day around being kid centered and positive and just kind of giving myself some space and fresh air to mm-hmm. start my day out on a joyful note. And then when I get to school, I have about 15, 20 minutes to connect with teachers, connect with Lisa, the administrative assistant. And then I'm out doing bus duty for a half hour. And then the second half hour, I'm greeting every class every day. So I go into every classroom and greet the students and staff to continue to build that culture. And then the opening of the email mm-hmm. box happens. Right, right, <laughs> so right. It's been nice to set that balance of spending time for myself and getting grounded in what I'm going to do for the day before I get bombarded with all the other components. You mentioned you wake up at 445. Now, do you get enough sleep? Oh, yes. I go to bed 9.45, 10 o'clock at night. So I definitely get the sleep. But I'm more of an early riser. It seems like about eight or nine o'clock at night, I don't do a ton of schoolwork. I might be on a Twitter chat or, you know, connecting with other friends, but I like to kind of unwind after Mm -hmm. the kids go to bed. So it's kind of a good chance for me to put that margin in my day and separate my day learning from maybe my professional learning outside of the day. And that's where I engage in those Twitter chats and other things to continue to grow professionally, but not just sit and respond to emails and the stressors of the school day. Right. And so, Jessica, the reason I ask is because we forget that we need that sleep. That's when we repair. That's when our body rests and we need that and we forget to do that. And so that's really important, especially for our listeners and and our new leaders. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also important that I do my best to eat healthy. I eat a lunch every day as much as people are like, oh, I don't have time for it. Now, it might not be right at noon. Right. Might be closer to one or two, but I'm getting the lunch in. I go home and make the healthy meals for my family. Mm -hmm. But that's been really important too is to really look at that balance and how are you taking care of yourself not only professionally but wellness mm-hmm. as well okay great now Jessica if you were to go back in time what advice would you give the younger you about leadership <sighs> slow down <laughs> slow down I think you just need to slow down and enjoy the moment and not mm-hmm. just keep waiting for the next thing what's going to be the next thing also just listening more I wish my first year in all of my positions, I would have taken more time to listen to the people who had been in the building longer mm-hmm. and listen to all types of stakeholders and really get a better sense of what their vision was for the school versus I always felt that my competence was so important. I had my confidence and competence. I got them really meshed together. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like they needed to see me and hear all the research and hear all the new things we wanted to do. And I should have slowed down a little bit more and listened to what they held dear mm-hmm. and continue to make sure that I was honoring that and trusting them with that and keeping that as a foundation. Mm. That's great advice. Thank you so much for that. Now, Jessica, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? Well, and I just wanted to say, too, that if you're considering becoming a leader of any level, don't be discouraged. Mm -hmm. Please keep trying. And that's so hard because this is the season where opportunities, positions are open and you're interviewing and sometimes you might not get it. And there's always down the road a reason why. And I sat through and I interviewed for an elementary principal position and I didn't get it. And ultimately, I'm in a much better space than I probably would have been had I gotten that position. But at the time, it still hurts. Mm -hmm. But just keep trying. If you have a passion for leading, 
you're going to get into the right fit and you are going to love it and you're going to just thrive from it. So just be patient and just keep putting yourself out there and take that risk because in the end, it really is ultimately worth it. Great, Jessica, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's just been such an honor to be with you. And and I certainly hope that they've gained some information from you. And whatever I can do to always help, I'm here to help and encourage. Great. And so we're going to get that information from you. And we're going to post it. Sounds great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Bye Bye. Bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.